0: Kia and welcome to Cinema in Context, where we discuss all things film and the connections between. My name is Jeremy Downing. I'm William Chan. And this month, we are joined by a very special guest welcoming her back to the podcast, filmmaker, film enthusiast, and also incredible jam maker. We've just enjoyed some incredible jam. Phoebe! Welcome, Phoebe hey. Shung!
1: Hi! Nice to be back.
0: Wonderful to have you back. I think the last time we spoke, was it Game of Thrones or was it something else? Oscars? oscars oh cool we did we did an oscar yeah, chat we did. far out back when they weren't embroiled with slaps and things uh anyways <laughs> each month at cinema in context we discuss two films one current and one retrospective with some connection it could be the same director the same actor or a similar theme this month we are discussing turning red which was released on disney plus earlier this year and brave which came out in 20, 2012 the connection being they are both Pixar films with female protagonists, stories of dealing with relationships with their mothers, and also bears feature very heavily in both <laughs> movies. I mean, there's a range of connections I'm sure we're going to make, but there's four for you right there. Please be aware that we will be spoilering both films, so if you haven't seen the movies, pause this episode, come back to it at a future date. And I think the other thing I'd say before we jump into synopsis is, is just to pass on Sarah's apologies. She's in the UK at the moment, right now. I think she's in the the National Museum, right? Mm-hmm. Oh my Mes- God, it's so
1: exciting! I mm-hmm. know, Social
0: Gallery. Maybe they finished for the day because it was last night they were going. So her her daytime is our nighttime. Mm-hmm. So wishing Sarah all the best and her husband Doug, who was on our podcast recently, uh, as they as they kind of get out into the world after this. Very strange COVID time. Mm-hmm.
1: They escaped. <laughs> they escaped.
0: Well, yeah, yeah, definitely definitely a, a time to celebrate being being travelling around the world. We'll welcome her back next time, even though she'll be in the UK. We'll welcome her back and um, and do another online recorded episode. Right, let's jump in. Let's start with Brave. William, give us an overview of Brave. All
2: right. So Brave in 2012 is directed by Mark Andrews and Brenda Chapman. It tells the story of Princess Merida who is a Scottish princess. Um, She's headstrong, fiery, loves bows and arrows and archery, and yet feels stifled by the patriarchal traditions of the clans, as well as her very controlling mother. As she attempts to break free of, of these shackles, she unleashes something, shall we say, mystical, and needs to undo the wrongs before the sun rises on the second
0: day. Wow, thank you. Usually it's the sun rising on the third day, or is that, you know, is that... Yeah, thinking... It
1: usually is, yeah. Beauty and
0: the Beast, Into the Woods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's second kind day. Kind of uh, you're getting
2: that, that time limit a little closer. Yeah, mm. yeah. Right, well Phoebe, give us a bit of an overview of Turning
0: Red.
1: Well, Turning Red is about, uh, set in the 2000s, back in my jam, back in my childhood days, um, about this girl in the eighth grade called Mei Lin and she has an amazing group of friends who are just sort of figuring out what boys are, and she goes through a sort of journey of coming into sort of puberty, growing up, womanhood, with her overbearing mother who she really desperately wants to impress and be a dutiful daughter for, but also wants to just be entirely individual and do all the things that growing up is all about. Um, And it's that sort of clash between Uh, generational parenting between her grandmother, her mother, herself, as they're going through the sort of uh, traditional genetic transformation (laughs) as well as just general childhood transformation. And all hijinks ensue. (laughs)
0: I love this. I love the way you've just so carefully ex- stepped around the, <laughs> <laughs> the...
1: spoilers that we're inevitably going to... Start.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, should we, should we start there, right? Because that's one of the key pieces. And I would say one of the things that surprised me most about Turning Red was how much they stepped into the adolescent story. This is very much a oh, it's not really a kid's story, or, or at least it's going to motivate kids to maybe have conversations with their mm-hmm. parents that they may not be ready to have based on the, the stage of their life. You but, know? but by they, do you mean the parents or the kids? Well, according to online
2: discourse, the parents do not like this movie. Yeah, right. <laughs>
1: They're really uncomfortable. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, it's it's an interesting one, right? When do you speak to kids about puberty, body changes, that kind of thing, sex, because even you know, though the mm. film kind of skirts around it, It's different. there's a, clearly a sexual awakening that happens with yeah. may <laughs> Um, i don't think
1: any disney pixar movie has ever talked about that kind of hormonal journey that kids go through every kid goes through that sort of like oh suddenly i'm attracted what does that mean
0: it's really bold and it's really a clear statement about about we're going to talk about this in a way that's family friendly uh yeah my sister and brother-in-law they watched it with their three kids you know 15 years old 12 years old nine years old so kind of perfect span of ages to watch this movie um it'd be interesting to know what the level of understanding was from the youngest particularly uh the older ones would be fine so
1: Mm. (laughs) you've got one on each side you've got one in the middle right when you know may is experiencing the same thing one who's gone through it and one who will go through it in the next couple of years yeah
0: yeah and i mean what what we're talking about here team is you know, there's there's a metaphor for puberty. I think for um, having a period, and it's told through a, a huge red panda. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the title turning red, right? It could mm. be read many different ways. I
1: love how clever that is. Of like just bringing red into like the significance of Chinese culture, mm-hmm. the periods of, you know, the panda. Like, there's and so em- many embarrassment as well. Embarrassment, yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I found this movie to be such a, a wonderful mix of, of tones and of influences. And I, I think, you know, all of us in the room uh, were around Malin's age uh, when the movie is set. Yeah, And I hope you guys agree that they really nail the time period, like, to the T.
1: As a girl in that time period, Tamagotchi, yeah, <laughs> terrible anime characters in your notebooks. Like, oh, the like, notebooks. The, the the fantasies of you know mer people <laughs> that ooh, struck really close to home but in a very good nostalgic way. My my
2: favorite thing about her doodles is that you, you can see her practicing anatomy, like drawing like really the bad the biceps and the hands, like drawing bad hands. Oh man, obviously coming from a place of deep personal
0: connection from <laughs> from the artists involved. Yeah, there, there, was a, there was a real sense of authenticity mm-hmm. and I agree, you know, I was a little bit older, I was 2002, William and I are the same age, so we mm-hmm. would have been sort of in that 15 mm-hmm. age group, but wow, like the boy band stuff as well and billy eilish and phineas wrote the music for this
1: oh really i didn't know yeah oh, epic <laughs>
0: and it's just so cool it, it, it's similar to like when lady gaga did star is born and she wrote pop music that ended up becoming huge when she'd kind of moved on from that it's like billy eilish and phineas can write a 90s boy pop or early 2000s boy band pop song and it'd be huge um yeah, so satisfying. That stuff took me back. I was like, oh my gosh, this is... this Because you know, I was like a steps person. My sister loved five. Ah. I mean, who do we have? We had the Backstreet Boys yeah, at NSYNC. NSYNC. Mm-hmm. It's just... Uh, what a what a finger on the pulse with all of those elements. Interestingly, set in
1: Canada. Yeah. Not set yeah. in the United States. Which, which is, is a bit refreshing.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Very, very cool. Um, and also a, a Toronto that you don't usually see. Because I, I was thinking about this. What are the movies set so proudly in toronto probably scott pilgrim is the only other one because um, usually when toronto is featured it's standing for new
0: york and it's really sad right i didn't even think i scott pilgrim and toronto do not connect to my brain i don't oh, need to go right. back and re-watch it to understand mm-hmm. that that was where it was set whereas this film is very much celebrating canada and yeah i think about inside out which is so clearly san francisco and it's got that kind of kind of connection yeah
1: it's kind of got that multiculturalism that Canada's quite well known for as mm-hmm. well. And I feel like, I don't know if it sort of felt like they gave themselves more permission to have, you know, the um, the Indian security guard and, you know, Maylin's family. And, you know, just to have a bit more sort of, uh, there's she has a classmate who's got wearing a hijab. Like, it's just nice to have that sort of more cultural things, but maybe setting it in a place that is quite internationally known as multicultural, mm. sort of let them sort of argue doing that a bit more than you know maybe another place yeah. mm. well and, be...
2: and of course the the director is canadian um so i think gosh. just drawing from her own experiences as, as a kid growing up as well
0: right right well it's that might be a good segue to the very monocultural brave mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so clearly scottish but also red red features a lot in the ah, yeah. as well oh my fiery red hair yeah, they're
1: both redheads Yeah. By yeah. The end of it
0: True, yeah, May-Lind, yeah, slightly different red, isn't it? It's like it's a, magical red. Magical red.
1: <laughs> Merida's very naturally, gloriously red. Mm-hmm.
0: Her hair is one of the most impressive animation oh. aspects of this movie. I, I think all hair in this movie. I mm. guys, I forgot how
2: pretty this movie was because turning red is beautiful. And I, I think back to Brave, and I remember back in 2012, like going going to see it with friends and thinking, yeah, it's it's all right. It's it's not top tier Pixar. And rewatching it. I don't think is it is top tier Pixar, but man, is it pretty! Like mm-hmm. the the fur of the bears, um, her hair, but basically anything to do with body hair, right? The the beards, like it looks so good, just so good.
1: It's aged really well because that's ten years ago now, yeah. and it oh. still looks so good. Oh, it's a shame that it never got like the same kind of who uh, yeah. kind of like as uh, Tangled did just after it and then Frozen a couple years after yeah. that. It's
0: interesting you bring up Tangled and Frozen because I was getting confused with those movies as I was watching Brave. I was like, I'm sure she goes to see a witch, but no, maybe that's the Tangled. <laughs> I know that there are like wisps, but maybe I'm thinking of those little rock <laughs> creatures from Frozen and it really was, you know, I was remembering things correctly, yeah. but I just was getting confused. Because it was such an interesting period in Disney and Pixar
2: animation, right? Because Pixar had just, well, a couple years prior had been purchased by Disney and then you have this project sandwiched between Tangled and Frozen uh, both of which went through so many iterations as well Uh, and as did this film, I think I remember reading about it in in animation blogs back in the day and it was the bear and the bow Um, Mm. and then it became brave just like Frozen used to be the ice queen and and then everything was rejigged Um, and it, it feels like there are growing pains in this movie like it is a movie that feels that it's made up of many, many, many disparate elements. And I, I don't think they cohere quite as well as you would want to. Um, but they
0: are there, and it's it's fascinating. I looked at the timestamps at two particular moments in this movie. Because what I remember with Brave was that I was like, oh, yeah, it's fine, it's pretty, I like some of the ideas. But as a whole, I felt that the hour and 35-minute runtime, it just didn't quite land. And I didn't quite know why. And in rewatching it the other night, I realized the actual turning point of the film doesn't occur until 40 minutes into the movie. Oh,
1: really? And
0: then the resolve, which is the emotional heart of the movie between the mother and daughter, occurs half an hour later and then you've still got 25 minutes Mm. of film. So really, for me, the story is only half an hour part of this hour and 35 minutes, which is it takes 40 minutes for the mum to turn into a bear and then by the time Merida is talking to... The crowd and the mum's advising her that she can change fu- change tradition i mean that's the end of the movie that's, Yeah, they've, they've worked out their differences and then there's just this whole sequence of kind of fighting the action beer.
2: set piece
0: yeah, yeah. and in the moment when she cries on her mother it's she says i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry but i feel like she kind of already had that moment no, earlier see, in the movie
1: i that's what i thought when i was re-watching it as well but i was just like oh why aren't we ending the movie when she's talking to all the different clans because she's taking personal responsibility, but she doesn't say sorry. She's not saying sorry to her mum, and that's the whole thing, is that the men, the, the break is between her and her mum. So she's taking responsibility, she's acting how her mum wants, but she doesn't actually say sorry then. so it's And that's why it doesn't work when the cloak gets put on the bear. She's like, mm. why isn't it working? We've done all the things, we've mended the, um, the tapestry, and it's her saying, I'm sorry, which she hadn't said, which is why I was like, oh, when we got to that scene, there must be something else because it can't be that easy, mm. you know? But um
0: I think that, I I hear, I hear you, Phoebe, and, and I think that is probably the growing pains you talked about and the film mm-hmm. kind of needed to go through another few rounds of the think tank process, whatever they have, oh, to align yeah. some the, of the those sweatbox, <laughs> Yeah, to align some of those layers because at the moment you've got Kind of different parts happening in different parts of the movie. Whereas if it was all aligned in some way, it would yeah. be far more satisfying. Um, I really like um, the, 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 the every, everything to do with um, Merida and Eleanor, the mother, mm-hmm. is the best parts of the movie. Like oh, they are yeah, the strongest yeah, yeah. Sure. parts. Everything to do with the comic relief of the men and the boys, like, is fine, but it's just it takes a lot of that oh. to get to the story that <laughs> yeah. we kind of care. They about. take up a lot of screen time. Far more than I remember.
2: Um, Yeah. Like jokes about kilts and butts and like... (laughs) I guess it had to be contractually in there. (laughs) It's a film about Scotland. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, Because, you you know, the the movie, like... It's such a fascinating process, right? Because this was Pixar's first movie, like sole female director, uh, Brenda Chapman, who... Have you guys seen *Prince of Egypt*? Yeah,
1: I love. Prince of Egypt. And that movie
2: is awesome. Is yes. She a director? She's. Um, I think she's one of the main directors. It, right. It was three directors. Uh, Simon West was uh, the other guy. Um, who was H.G. Wells's grandson? Uh, as what? Well. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah, she went from DreamWorks to to Pixar, and this was her big thing, right? And in an interview, she was saying how she was basing it off her relationship with her daughter. And it was driving this whole plot. And then she was removed from the project um, because of quote-unquote creative differences. But then she stayed on as credited director. Like she was still there for story stuff. She just wasn't directing the thing. And uh, Mark Andrews was brought on. Who's one of Brad Bird's guys that he uh, brought into Pixar from the Iron Giant. And they worked on Incredibles and stuff. And so you have these two very, very different sensibilities clashing. And then on top of that, the co- do you guys see who the co-director is? No. That's Steve Purcell, who's the creator of Sam and Max. Do you guys remember that old LucasArts point and click game? Not really. No. It's like a big old dog detective and his crazy bunny sidekick. And so he's like a crazy comics guy and he's like bringing in the comedy. And it's just this mishmash of tones that I think... It's, it's fine in the
0: end but you feel that oh my gosh you feel that mm. yeah it's it's a definite mixture of tones um and i feel like the heart of this movie like i see it as the mother and the daughter and i i kind of wish that there was a clarity of in the film yeah. that recognized the yeah. strength of the film uh, i mean it is there but like you said, there's a mishmash of other things mm. going on I, I wish eleanor had more screen time like not as a bear but
2: as a speaking role
1: and something is more than just constantly telling off um, Merida the whole time. Yeah, yeah. They're a bit more. She. There were glimpses of that, but yeah, I agree.
0: I wonder if they learned from this experience because they really had worked through many of like the, a lot of the Pixar movies. Now there's a real strength about them. That I mean, you have a few that dip and mm. dip in, dip in and out of how strong they are. But mm-hmm.
1: so it was brave after Tangled.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah.
2: I, oh. I think tangled was 2010 and then brave 2012 frozen 2014
0: or 2013 oh, out of those three yeah.
1: tangled is definitely my favorite oh yeah <laughs> M- mine too
0: mine too <laughs> well tangled is disney right yeah so disney oh i and see. yeah tangled and frozen so brave <laughs> was coming out at the same time as what monsters university uh, no wreck oh, it ralph and para norman oh okay Which is a pixar i'm talking about pixar movies oh um yeah, uh, I think Brave was the only Pixar movie to come out in 2012. Right. Yeah. Right. But it was around that same kind of few years as Monsters yeah. University, uh, yeah. Cars 2 was Cars the one two. just prior. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I see your grimace, Jeremy.
0: Was Toy Story 3 around this time as well? Uh, 2010, so that was slightly before. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then they would go on to do uh inside out which is my mm-hmm. f- oh, favorite amazing. one of my favorite mm-hmm. pixar films um soul which is interesting yeah coco which is great mm. and then um, onward onward which was yeah. onward was an interesting one it had a good ending Have you yeah. seen Onward?
1: no that's kind of one that i've missed <laughs> it's like i didn't i don't think it had the same fa- fanfare to get people's attention it came
0: out mm-hmm. right as the pandemic uh-huh, was that'll be why we josh and i literally saw it the day before we went into the major lockdown <laughs> Um, or like before everything closed, um, yeah, it was. It was kind of. We've talked about this, William. But it's, yeah. it's, it's an okay movie with a really great yeah. ending that makes everything What's worth, it? It. worth okay. it. Yeah, the ending hits you like a ton of bricks. <laughs> like. Yeah, yeah, it's really, really good. And then um, uh, Luca, which I haven't actually seen, It's the but only it's great. I seen Luca it, yeah. is amazing. Right? Was um, it? Um, uh, bruno everyone's like Man, yeah, yeah obsessed with bruno <laughs> silencio with bruno because you've got bruno in Encanto and well. vespers
2: there's so many so many vespers in that movie <laughs> it must have set some sort of product placement deal oh uh,
1: no they had vespers in the book of boba fett as well oh
0: space
1: <laughs> space vespers
0: <laughs> and then this um turning red is the 25th yeah. feature length wow. di- um, pixar film
1: amazing like we grew up with pixar like Mm. that's incredible 25
0: yeah and so i guess um we talked before the podcast started uh about you know whether or not disney films are distinct from pixar films and if i think about the pixars of of yesteryear with your finding nemos your bugs lives your toy stories to me there's a really distinct pixarness that i'm really happy they've moved away from because they need to develop it and grow it but I'm. I find I get confused between who's producing it. Like I said, I didn't know Luca was a Pixar movie, which is probably why I haven't seen it. Um, but William, you feel strongly in the other. Well, maybe not strongly, but yeah, like um, I I
2: feel it's it's such an interesting shift, right? As you say, there was that breakaway from the old guard, the originally you had like the pixar guys right it was very much a boys club you have john lasseter lasseter who since has become problematic um but ed, like, catmull. ed catmull ed andrew Stannon, steve jobs um the pete P- doctor you know the young crick these guys who would create stuff like the finding nemos and wallies and toy stories and bugs lives and every single one of those movies had that pixar tone right it was mostly Two guys on some sort of mis- mismatched buddy adventure. Uh, there were stakes to be had, lessons to be learned, and really, really clever plotting and writing. That was that was like the Pixar staple. Um, and then you, you know they were bought by Disney, and it felt like they lost some of that luster. I know films like um, like Onward and and the Cars movies. Like there's something about them which still fits the formula of old Pixar but doesn't feel quite as polished but now with films like Luca and Turning Red which is uh, Luca was uh oh I I have here directed by Enrico Casarosa um also storyboard artist um for ages and Turning Red by Domi Shi also storyboard artist for ages um it feels like we're turning a corner and letting like fresher voices take on these these big creative roles um and it, it does feel different It does feel very very different especially Luca and Turning Red like it's um they are they don't seem like Pixar movies but at the same time there's a bravery about them that is definitely not Disney like no matter how good movies like Encanto and Zootopia are to me they still feel constrained within the very glossy Disney veneer um they do talk about stuff like racism and generational trauma but it feels like a lot of that stuff is is smooth and sanded whereas it's, it's
1: made safe for like a much younger de- demographic i think yeah. maybe pixar is pitched slightly older
2: mm-hmm. than
1: the what they're sort of looking at for disney and pixar i think that's kind of maybe where it's sitting at is disney's very safe for like 5 year olds mm. whereas pixar is probably possibly more like sort of 10 year olds I don't know maybe I'm kind of feeling that that might be the glossy aspect because I 100% agree
0: I guess because Disney's got a more established brand right like they've got theme parks and they've Mm. got toys and they've got you know what's their their kind of core brand thing is fun fun I think is their kind of core thing Mm. but Pixar has always had a commentary on humanity that has not always been a part of Pixar uh part of Disney's Brand whilst Disney's often done that they're very much about telling universal stories that connect with people Pixar does that and then some by you know I mean, I just I just still come back to inside out inside out for me is one of Mm. the greatest films that has come out in the last 20 years Mm. um, Or ever really because it's the way that it tells this highly complicated story about emotional intelligence through a dual storytelling of Riley and sadness and joy um, sadness and enjoy being a one and riley being the other is it's just a magic trick that i don't know how they pull off and you know you add into that um incredible voice acting and that feels very much of the pixar mm. brand it's it's got similar kind of um, animation styles to previous pixar films
1: do you think that was the first one that really sort of broke the mold in terms of t- telling those kinds of stories in a very mainstream accessible family-friendly mm. way.
0: I think Toy Story 3 went a long way to do oh that. My- <laughs> like Toy <laughs> yeah. Story 3 yeah. told a story of, you know, a group of toys looking at a kindergarten as a potential retirement village yeah. as a way to talk about being discarded by your family and by society like it's a really complex story i I think we've talked about this in our toy story uh (laughs)
2: mentions over the years but toy story 3 yeah i I agree it's about annihilation right it's about the afterlife it's about what happens when you feel worthless um and there's there's so much like religious allegory in that movie um the whole notion of rebirth and destruction and yeah that is a a deep movie if you really dig into it (laughs)
1: Oh, that's the thing with Disney is that when they do have, like, things that they aim above, like, sort of at the parents' level, it goes completely over the kids' heads. Oh, yeah. Which is great. (laughs) (laughs) I can rewatch some of those old Disney movies and go like, oh, (laughs) ha, did not get that as a kid.
0: (laughs) One of the things I love about Disney and Pixar is that they've never truly succumbed to the Shrek formula. Now, Mm. I love Shrek. Um, Shrek was a, one of the first dreamworks animation studios um 3d animated ones anyway uh and that brought in the kind of like parents parent jokes that are very much pop culture referencing mm-hmm. kind of riffs on that you know in shrek you've got the classic matrix um yeah. bullet time you've got various other you know references i love it for shrek and that's part of that dna but dreamworks animation then proceeded to roll out and they still roll out and a lot of other animation studios roll out yeah films that are just doing that formula and and pixar and disney have done it a little bit sometimes but they've they've never relied on that and and what you're talking about phoebe i think is jokes that are designed for parents that don't rely on that pop culture thing because that does Mm. happen and i think about early like disney renaissance for instance there are some jokes in there that are pretty cheeky but they're but they're not pop culture riffs yeah I, i guess
2: until you get to aladdin and then that's nothing but pop culture. That <laughs> because of Robin Williams. <laughs> Robin Williams, right? That's, so yeah, true. I hadn't thought about how, the influence of Robin Williams. I, I think he basically created Shrek, right? If it weren't for Aladdin, you wouldn't have Shrek. Wow. Because th- those are both Katzenberg joints. Oh, were
1: they? Because <laughs> Shrek is just an absolute satire parody of yeah. Disney. <laughs>
2: oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gosh, that movie hates Disney.
1: <laughs> it hates It pulls the thing. And then the fact that it did so well and continued to make a franchise yeah. out of it.
0: Yeah. We, watched, we re- re-watched um, Shrek 2 the other night. Shrek 2's night. the best. It's so good. And I hadn't watched it in a long time. Like, I'd forgotten plot points. Uh, I mean, just what... How could you trump Lord Farquaad from the first one? <laughs> you get Jennifer Saunders to play the fairy godmother. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's one of the things that the third Shrek fails at is that they try and put prince charming in the villain's shoes and yeah. he's
1: not he's he's the like he's like Kronk from um, <laughs> oh, <that laughs> yeah <not bad. laughs>
0: i love Kronk. i mean that's an interesting narrative right with the, oh, where yeah. disney went i know this is not about disney as such but um where the emperor's new clothes uh, emperor's new clothes emperor's new groove came from that, uh kingdom of the sun yeah, yeah.
1: that those um the emperor's new groove and like atlantis and that sort of time period oh. of uh 2d disney animation That was basically a studio at Disney that kind of was like, oh, yeah. Do whatever you want. We're going to focus on three D animation because that's the future. But I guess we'll still keep this. You yeah. guys make whatever, and they created such amazing films.
0: So, so sad, but they just didn't do very well, did they? <sighs> no, well, because
1: they weren't marketed in the same way as the three D films that were coming out. Mm, um, yeah, because they 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 thought two D is ending. It's not going to be great. Like whatever. <sighs> we had Treasure
0: Planet. You had yeah, and um, so those
1: creatives just could do whatever they wanted. Pretty much with virtually no supervision.
0: Right, yeah. right. That of course though led to I mean if you think about that Creativity Inc. book. Oh yeah. Um, which is about the rise of Pixar and then the acquisition of Pixar by Disney and then mm-hmm. John Lasseter and Ed Campbell going over to Disney and uh, you know, wanting to create a version of what they'd produced. But um there's there's like a party going on around the house, eh?
1: <laughs> sorry, sorry listeners. <laughs> <laughs> and there's
0: like a and Phoebe's got a lovely cat as well. Gigi, is it? Mm. Gigi, who's a rag doll. And so if you hear a little bell ring, that's just Gigi giving her thoughts to the podcast as well. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, She's been
1: very good today, actually. I'm very proud of her.
0: <laughs> but yeah, so the, the in that book, they talk about wanting to have a distinctness between Disney and Pixar. I guess linking back to what we're talking about. So it's just interesting. It's interesting that we've now got, what is it, 25 years of... Um, of Disney movie, of Pixar movies, and things have changed a lot. Things have changed yeah. a lot in the last twenty-five years, twenty-seven years.
1: Gosh, it's a long time. Well, when, when did Toy Story come out?
0: 1995? Ninety-five. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, and I. Uh, to be honest, I'm I'm really excited to see what Pixar comes up with. Um, have you guys seen the new trailers for Lightyear? I've I've just, it doesn't no. interest me. <laughs> it's like, uh, what are they doing? But the trailers look really good. Um, it's a space adventure. The director, um, Angus McLean, is an exciting storyteller. And I, I'm keen to see the backstory of Buzz Lightyear.
0: Like, uh, bring up Pixar. It's an interesting <laughs> move, isn't it? To, to go into the in-world yeah. of Toy Story. And like, it's like the start of Toy Story 2, right? Where you yeah. see the Buzz Lightyear. Is it a computer game? Yeah, you, yeah. The whole opening sequence is Toy Story 2. <laughs> um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do with it. And they've taken quite a different animation style mm. yeah. so that it looks like not a toy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if it's telling the story like within the computer game or if it's of an actual Buzz Lightyear figure. Like, because he doesn't reach that moment of understanding until Toy Story of like, he's a toy. So he's going to go through that whole film thinking like... He's real. It's well, he's not
0: a toy. It's like
1: yeah. it's like the
2: adventures of Buzz Lightyear. Yeah, and, and the toy line was based off this movie. I think
0: that's the conceit. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so he <laughs> won't like... discover he's a toy because he's not a toy. He's, he's a, not a He's toy. a spaceman he's a yeah. Toy that, yeah. Yeah. Should we, should we come back to talk about turning red? So, yeah. so that film um, has a lot of really impressive um, character beats. I think the central push of the story is the mum thinks that her happy place is the relationship with her mum, but it's actually a relationship with <laughs> her yeah. friends. Yeah, she doesn't
1: have the guts to say it as well. But I really love in Turning Red that she goes like, oh, where does she get that attitude from? Can't believe her mum, she treats her mum like that. <laughs> and then her, mo- her mother immediately calls, and you see the relationship between the mum and the grandmother yeah. being almost exactly the same, <laughs> as, or on the, you know what could be the result of may relationship with her mother could become the same as um, the mum and the grandmother's relationship. And it's sort of like, ooh.
0: <laughs> it's, it reminds me of a film William and I saw this week, which is, we talked about this beforehand, which is everywhere. Ev- uh, every Everything. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has a central storyline of a mother, daughter, and one of their parents' kind of multi-generational I I don't know what the word is. I don't think tra- trauma is way it's too just hard. R- relationship, relationship yeah. yeah. It's it's the ebb and flow
2: of of each generation and what they impart to their kids. Um, oh gosh, uh, dear listener, if you haven't seen everything ever all once, please go see it. It is
0: amazing. It's really impressive, and I think what um, what turning red does is it tells that story as well as the puberty coming of age yeah. story.
1: Because that's a nice thing. Is that I feel like you know a lot of Asian. Creators want to have their voice told, but a lot of the time it's the same kind of story because they haven't had a chance to evolve beyond that initial, I want to talk about my own experience. So the fact that they've taken the a very common theme in Asian storytelling of the relationship between a mother and a daughter, and then added this extra element of childhood growing up, like, is brilliant. Yeah. So we're not getting another, like, oh, yeah, it's a mother-daughter, like it doesn't work out story there's an extra element that sort of brings a, a larger dimension to that relationship which is I think great because you've got things that Asian people will highly connect to but you've also got things that a lot of mainstream just people growing up will connect to
2: yeah 100% agreed Phoebe like one, one of the strengths of this movie is that that mix between Malin's two worlds, right? And and how they cohere at the very end with her friends and her family, like, singing completely different songs, but somehow come together in this huge energy beam, like, light beam into the sky.
0: That was uh,
2: brilliant, with the chanting, or, yeah. you know, and the, oh, and the boy so band. So good. Like, oh, man, it, yeah many many metaphors like colliding
0: at once and just visually like all those different beers, just Mm -hmm. they're beautiful like talk about Braves oh oh so fluffy so fluffy I mean one of the characters (laughs) says that which just feels directly pulled from Despicable Me yeah 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 yeah, yeah. 100% (laughs) Um, but I really really loved that and I tell you what, another moment that. Okay, there's two things. One is that the film straight away had me laughing and engaged, and I loved Maylin very quickly. <laughs> mm. she, was a, she was a very likable character. And then the other thing was that sequence where she has a sexual awakening and she's furiously drawing all of the <laughs> pictures, and then the mum finds it. Josh, my boyfriend, he, he was screaming with laughter out of embarrassment and then trying to push himself. Into the couch to move away from the screen, just because it was so embarrassing. And then, it, and then it gets next level with her taking it to, to the di- uh, to the the store
1: and putting it in a fully public setting. Yeah. Your oh. private, private, private thoughts. It's
0: so embarrassing. And then, and my sister watched. Like, I see, watched it with her kids. They were screaming and like just the just the sheer embarrassment of it is yeah. qu- it almost. It's so primal. I kind of was like, how did they tap into this? <laughs>
1: I feel like there must have been a lot of sort of like childhood moments that (laughs) the director and the writer sort of really were like, oh, this happened to me, it's going to be great if we make Nolan (laughs) go through it too. Yeah,
0: yeah. The mum sneaking into the school or sneaking around the school. Oh, yeah, yeah. just like, it's like all the things you're, you you, is that age group, right? you like, you yeah. don't want your mum to come to the, the gate, you know, you, you, you move beyond that. Just beyond
1: it's, that helicopter parenting. It's
0: <laughs> like the worst thing that could happen. And then holding up the pads, like, oh <laughs> <my> <laughs> God. Worst <Less laughs> thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> so good. I, I, like, part of me thinks it's over the top, it's exaggerated, but I'm like, I'm sure yeah. that's happened to people. Yeah. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. Oh, it has to, like, cause it's that kind of. Fear that runs through that is just you can't tap out of until you <laughs> sort of get over that sort of life stage. I
0: was really impressed that they doubled down on the you know, the, the the pads, the period, mm. you know, the mum talking directly about it. What does, she, what does she call it? The red peony, peony. peony. <laughs> blooming, Oh yeah,
1: <laughs> and the dad sort of like ready to help, and they're slowly yeah. taking those steps
0: back and just how they you know it was like okay this is the metaphor it's about periods but actually it's not let's like there's part of that narrative but let's talk about what it means to be a the your beer is really about being yourself and and feeling like you can step beyond what has been expected of you So, really Mm -hmm. impressive inclusion of that puberty period story without it being just that yeah
1: and i love how the support of the dad the whole way through and so you've it sort of gives her a bit of a grounding. It's not like all her parents hate her, or like all her parents are disappointed. She's got those sort of like little rocks throughout her life. And by the end of it, yeah, her mum and her aunties and grandma don't keep the panda, but they're not against her keeping the panda, which I think is actually really nice. They've stuck to their morals, but being accepting of her morals, which she's also stuck to, which I think is really, really nice. Yeah,
2: My, my favourite thing about the, the central relationship between the mum and the daughter is that it's not like so many other depictions of this relationship in any movies about Asians or Asian Americans. You
1: see the mum as like an actual person exactly. rather than just like an overbearing authority theme.
2: <laughs> and and there's there's a beautiful like from the very beginning of the movie, like Maylin loves her mother and yeah. it's
1: reciprocated,
2: right? You see them like she she doesn't clean the temple because her mum tells her to. It's because she actually enjoys it and they they have their own little ritual with the brooms and And she is very, very happy wanting to please her mum. Whereas in movies, I'm not such a fan of, like, Crazy Rich Asians. Like, it's Mm. very much, oh, you know, I'm, you know, a a Western-born Chinese. And I I have no idea why, like, the Michelle Yao character is like, blah, blah, blah. And there's this real rift that they have to bridge. And it's not like that. It's 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 her trying to find a way of dealing with both sides of herself, like her loyalty to her family, and but also her loyalty to her friends and how you can weave that together.
1: Yeah, and in the bamboo forest, when she sees her mum at the same age as she is, Maylynn sees her mum at the same age she is, it's her mum's going through the same things that she's going through. And you don't often realise, like, as a child, that your parent was also a child. Mm -hmm. They also went through the same if not similar kind of experiences as you did and you know it's just they've chosen some kind of outcome that has created this parent so to see her like that is like oh and being the supportive one there and say like mom it's okay i think it's really cute
0: it's making me think of i watched i started watching the second season of russian doll last night Mm. um which Mm -hmm. if you haven't seen russian doll the first season it's a wonderful watch it's you know every episode uh the main character dies and come it's a groundhog day story and she keeps ah. coming back to life and reliving the same day second season um and this is a slight spoiler for the first half half well first half an hour of the show um she goes to time travels and she's tra- time traveling back to her mum's body when she was that age and, mm. and kind of i'm assuming they're going to tell a story of that where it's like i'm going to see where my very abusive mum kind of comes from um and it's just it's just great stories to be told i think we've we've seen a lot of stories about the dad like the dad is a primal mm. storytelling figure and it's nice yeah. to be seeing some female stories particularly daughter and mother kind of stories
1: yeah it's, it's interesting because both um turning red and brave has a very supportive father character mm. of like the father is saying like y- you know what i support what you want to do um, the king telling Merida, like, oh, let's go, like, archery, and <laughs> how great is that? And um, and then the dad in uh, Turning Red telling Mei Lin, like, I really like you dancing in this video. Mm. Like, don't delete it, like, if you don't want to. Like, this is you, and I, I love you for that, you know? Which I think I think that's really nice. So be- they're becoming a supportive character to to them without sort of usurping too much the story that's actually... The greater one between the mother and the daughter.
0: It's another connection yeah. to mm. everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. But yeah, similar, there's trouble. a father figure in that story as well, which is um, yeah, he's he's a he's a key player in, in, mm-hmm. in a similar way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Mm.
2: Um, yeah, with with Brave and I mean comparing Brave to Turning Red, it, the similarities are so a myriad, right? Like, and, and oftentimes it feels like in a weird kind of way brave is the dry run for, for turning red like so much oh, of
1: oh yeah of,
2: of what kind of worked but kind of didn't like in turning yeah. red they they learned their lessons and they made it work.
1: It's, it's quite interesting because it, in preparation for this podcast I watched both of them. Um, I watched Brave and then I watched Turning red and I'd already previously watched Turning red not too long ago and watching Brave I'm like, oh, there's so many connections that, like, while I watched *Turning Red* for the first time, I didn't pick up on. So, it's there's so many similarities, but they've done it in a way that doesn't make you go like, "Oh, this is just Brave 2.0 mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, yeah, because I, I everything about this, they've even stepped away from that whole um, the criticism of all of the Disney Pixar princesses looking the same. Yeah. They've given like. Amongst her friends, they have completely different face shapes, and it just gives them all oh, such a unique personality. Her, her
2: friend group is amazing. Oh,
1: I was watching that friend group, going like, "This is my friend group. I know exactly who <laughs> all of these are in my friend group right now." I think now. it's because well,
0: they—they were just huge. Like they had—I don't want to say flaws, because that—that sounds disrespectful. They had—they were just people. Like they mm-hmm. had different thing. One had braces. One. One was very tall. One was very short. Like, it just... They do in this uniform action figure kind of style. And it, it's so relatable because you're like... Like you said, Phoebe, I know people like that, mm. you know?
2: I don't know who who's your favorite friend but uh, Abby.
0: <laughs> the sh-
2: like, short, <laughs> the stocky ca- oh, Korean, Korean, uh, yeah. Korean girl. And she just screams all her lines really intensely. <laughs> like, oh my
1: God. I, oh, I can't remember. I like her friend who's like very dry and she's reading that sort of oh, twilight yeah
2: Priya, yeah Priya.
1: <laughs> i really like it And she's just so deadpan the entire time <sighs> but she's got that same supportive like energy as everyone else like yeah. she's in on the pleading puppy dog eyes and the enthusiasm for the boy band <laughs> but she does it just so flat i love it
0: i love how they captured that age group because i think that age group there it's quite a um, can be perceived as quite a bratty age group because they are stepping into the adulthood, but they're still very much kids. Yeah. Um, and I know that from teaching, they can be the best. Some of those year nine year ten classes can be your best classes mm-hmm. or your absolute worst classes, <laughs> depending on how you connect with them and how you kind of can uh, build a build a classroom culture that allows them to be teenagers, but still very much uh, for you know organized for kids because they're still kids at heart. <laughs> Um, and they, they did a really good job of respectfully showing that age group. And
2: I was like, oh, that's
0: that's exactly what it felt like. Everything felt so big and exciting. Mm. And the fact that that boy band is her life and that haunts yeah. <laughs> it. Also, like... that male character who comes in at the end is oh, t- ty- like Tyler. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: I have to say that when Malin does, like, a presentation to her mum about why she goes, I have done that. (laughs) I have made, like, a whole, like, PowerPoint thing. Why, for me, it was a sleepover. Like, why I should be allowed, and it was a mixed, it was, like, a co-ed sleepover. (laughs) And why I was allowed to go, and I had made all these plot points about how it was, like, socially developing for myself. (laughs) And so when she had that, I'm like... Did you get to go? No. (laughs) (laughs) Same result. It was a No.
0: (laughs) Did you exploit your turning into a bear for raising money? I <laughs>
1: Really wish. <laughs>
2: cool. Also, such an interesting plot point. Like, if we take the central metaphor, or I mean, the central metaphor just branches off in so many directions. But one, one that really stood out to me, and there's a there's a line where her mother talks about like the 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 blessing or the curse. Um, I wrote it down. It's but over time, our family chose to come to a new world, and what was a blessing became an inconvenience kind of that notion that the panda is also one's you know ethnicity One, one's chineseness mm. and how her entire extended family by moving to the states or to Canada uh, have like tampered it down in order to, to better fit in and she's like first second generation and wanting to express that more and how that that helps her but also how she immediately monetizes it <laughs> it's like whoa I love this <laughs> that's good yeah
0: right Should your final thoughts um phoebe do you want to start what are your final thoughts about both films
1: i re- re-watching these for i think it's the second or third time um i still enjoy them so much like brave even though it's it's not as strong in the storytelling is still such a good romp like there's so many things i had forgotten that were just hilarious that's still equally hilarious the same at the same time and for me watching um turning red like that gave me a different level of nostalgia because we have to remember like pixar basically started when we were kids and so we've watched pretty much every pixar movie that's come out between then and now just as we've gotten older so though we're not experts we kind of are because <laughs> we've just seen everything um like it's still really enjoyable and I love the way that Pixar is bringing in all the different voices it's touching on communities that haven't really had those stories told as much more now which is great um and yeah like if more people can sort of see that and sort of experience other cultures in this kind of way like oh I love it it's i would watch uh turning red over and over and over and over and not find it annoying or like i would yeah i could probably live off watching that (laughs) it's so good they've nailed it they've absolutely nailed that film
0: nice william yeah um
2: brave is better than i remember it being i remember watching it at the movies and thinking yeah this is this is all right it's a bit disappointing especially because it came out after cars 2 and that was such a car crash of a movie. <laughs> um it's like pixar is bouncing back oh well they kind of are but it's it's fine it's fine it's pretty i think that, that that's its main selling point but the central relationship works it's just a little slapdash uh turning red is is just such a breath of fresh air like mm. I, I know we talked about it prior but it's so funny like it's hilarious i was laughing out loud throughout there's things that they do with the artistic influences. Like, it's obviously influenced from by anime. Uh, a lot of it looks like Studio Ghibli stuff. Um, the, the fluffy panda reminded me of uh, My Neighbor Totoro a lot. Um, but also, like, the, the color palette. There's a scene where the girls are on, on a rooftop at Tyler's party. And it looks like something, I think I said in our group chat, like, straight out of the watercolor backgrounds of Sailor Moon or, or like, Samurai Pizza Cats. You know, this, this very pastel look. And obviously referencing something that means a lot for the creatives. Um, And it's just, it's so entertaining. It contains a lot of great messages uh, all intertwined into this weird central metaphor about a girl hulking out
0: into a red panda. Like it's, it's brilliant. Nice. I I back up everything the two of you have said. Um, I really enjoyed Brave this time, even though I've got kind of issues with the way that the story is put together. The ideas are great. The images are good. The music is really good. Um, and the voice acting is really impressive. Oh, I yeah. think they've got really strong characters, and, and all like native Scots. I think every single one is Emma Watson Scottish. Uh, Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson. Yeah, I was getting my Hermione's and <laughs> and Nanny and, and McPhee's mixed up. Um, because, and sure. for um, I, I think oh, maybe I should double check that. Yeah, so, but I know
2: because originally they were going to get uh, Reese Witherspoon for Mer- Merida. Right. Uh, oh that
1: would have been so different. So odd,
0: very odd. I love oh. I love um what's her name? Kelly McDonald. Kelly McDonald. Yeah. She's so great. I mean, she's done so many different great things, but Boardwalk Empire is the main thing I remember her from, mm-hmm. I mean maybe trans but She is more of a more to do in Boardwalk Empire. Mm-hmm. But she's fantastic. Um so yeah, it was it was good. I don't think I would go back and watch Brave very often. It's not something that I have a huge desire to revisit again. But Turning Red was just an absolute joy. Really strong and really different to what is happening, not just in Pixar, but I think the way they're telling stories are just really cool.
1: I think it just goes to show, like, if you can give new voices, like, a chance. I I think the directors and the storytellers for Turning Red got heaps of... It feels like they received a whole lot of freedom to do what they wanted. And it shows and it pays off, like, in spades. Like, I'm excited for more stories like that that's not sort of controlled by executives who aren't part of the story or the world that's being told.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of Cinema in Context. If you enjoyed our podcast, then please share it with your film loving friends. You can listen to Cinema in Context through SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public, Amazon Music, and Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and Instagram, which are great places to let us know what you think of this episode or give us suggestions for future films to discuss and compare. Look out for our next episode in a month's time, and until then no!